0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the moment that they have been waiting for. Some of these first disciples, two of John's disciples, they have heard about this itinerant rabbi who was going around. Some some people were even saying, he is the Messiah, the Christ. They've heard about this guy, and so now they have their opportunity. He's walking by, and John exclaims, not to anyone in particular, but to all who have ears to hear, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world! How's that for a greeting when you walk into a room, right? Right? And so they follow Jesus. They start stalking after him to see him, to learn from him, to look for who knows what. And at some point, Jesus wheels on them, maybe unexpectedly. And he says, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? What do you want? Now, what a golden opportunity, right? for Jesus to look you in the eyes and say, what do you want? What are you looking for? Think of the possibilities in that moment. What could you say? We want to know, what is the meaning of life? Lord, can you explain to us why there is suffering and pain in the world? Or even just, can you tell us how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? The possibilities are endless in that moment as he looks at them and says, what are you looking for? What do you want? And they say, Rabbi, what's your address? Where are you staying? Now, we have to give them a little bit of credit here or give them a little bit of grace. I mean, they must have been kind of surprised, right? Jesus suddenly turns on them and asks them. They're not able to to give any profound answer. They don't give an answer at all. And instead, they answer his question with their own question. Where are you staying? This was their moment. This was their, their golden opportunity. The chance that they have been waiting for. And they blew it. Or do they? Let's back up just a minute and think again about this question of Jesus. What are you looking for? What what do you want? It's a loaded question, if ever there was one. What is it that in the deepest fiber of your being you are longing for and looking for? What is it that you desire that you want to go right, that right now is going wrong, that you want to know about, that right now is just a mystery and a fog. What is it that you and I are actually seeking after in our heart of hearts? People go to all sorts of lengths to pursue their dreams, to seek after their goals, to pursue those things that their hearts say, this is what I really want. They will go to the most incredible lengths. They'll even climb Mount Everest. I read the book recently by John Krakauer, the journalist John Krakauer, Into Thin Air. Any of you read this book? And he recounts this team climbing Mount Everest. And, I mean, as you can imagine, this is an exceptionally dangerous journey. You are climbing up to a height which is a 747s normal cruising altitude. People are not meant to go that high. It's dangerous. It's frightening. There's all sorts of different ways that you could die. And so naturally in the course of, of climbing Everest along with this team, Krakauer is wondering why would people do this? He knows why he has to do it. The, you know, his boss told him, all right, Krakauer, this is your job. You're gonna be the journalist to go along with them. But he, he, he asks the rest of them, why is it that you want to do this? And many times they just give the answer that was uh, famously given by one of the first climbers of Everest. He said, why are we climbing it? Because it's there. <laughs> but it has to go deeper than that, Right? People say, well, I'm doing it for a family, or I've always wanted to do it, or I've climbed other mountains, but I've always wanted to climb this mountain. But the higher they get, the clearer it becomes that what it is they want most is not something that they can find on top of that mountain. He has this moment of clarity as he gets to the summit of Everest. He realizes that what they are seeking most is what they have left behind. What they most deeply desire is home. And up there at the top, at the summit of Mount Everest, there's tattered prayer flags all over the top. And he doesn't say this, and I would say that they're not only seeking home, more deeply they're seeking God. And maybe, just maybe, they'll find him up there. See, in every single one of our hearts, it's like our heart has this homing instinct, like it's a homing device. You know about that, right? Or you think of like a metal detector, right? And our heart is longing after. There's things that we are looking for that we want. And sometimes we get closer. And it's like the game I play with my kids sometimes, warmer, warmer, colder, colder, And we get that sense in our hearts. Okay, maybe this is it. I'm getting a little bit closer here. Maybe it's going to happen. And maybe you've had that experience. You've reached or achieved or received that thing that you thought you were longing for, that you thought is what you wanted. And it turns out it just leaves you as empty as before. Our heart has this homing instinct that's leading us and guiding us back to our true home. And so maybe that question, that seemingly irrelevant question of those disciples, isn't such a bad one after all. They ask Jesus, where are you staying? They don't ask him some abstract, theoretical, philosophical question. What is the meaning of life? They don't ask him for for more pleasure. They don't even ask him for more things. Rabbi, I could really use a new donkey to get around town. They ask him for himself. They do it in maybe a clumsy kind of way to say, where are you staying? What's your address? But what they are asking for is Jesus himself, to be with him. And they're right in this respect, even if they don't fully realize what it is they're saying, what it is that they're asking for, because Christ is your heart's true home. St. Augustine famously prayed this. He said, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You and I have this burden of a restless heart. But it's a blessing because that restlessness can only be satisfied, can only find its true rest in Christ, who is your rest who came seeking you and me in order to bring you back into that communion and relationship with him so that our hearts might find their true home. You and I don't have to keep seeking and searching and wondering what is it that we are looking for. Already the Lord has said, here I am. I am here for you. In all of your restless wondering and wandering, what is the meaning of life? What is it that my heart is looking and longing for? Now Jesus says, here I am. But let me ask you, what are those other things that you are looking for and longing for? What is the stuff that your heart thinks it wants? What do you want? Why, why do you even come to church? I heard this story of a, a, a poet and memoirist, that's the right word, Mary Carr, an author named Mary Carr. And she was not a Christian by birth, even though she grew up in East Texas, which is about as Christian an area as you can get. Her parents were kind of hippies, and they weren't believers, and so she grew up as an agnostic and later became an alcoholic, and in many ways she had fallen about as far away from the Lord as you could. But then she had kids, and sometimes kids have a way of us realizing what our limits are and that we need a little bit of help, even heavenly help. But still, she hadn't gone seeking after God at all. But one day, when her her son was just a a few years old, he says to her, just out of the blue, Mama, I want to go to church. And by this time, she's totally cynical and skeptical about it. She's like, Church? Why would anybody ever want to go to church? And he says, I want to see if God is there. And she thinks, well... That's not much worse than soccer practice. We'll give it a shot. (laughs) That was the beginning of her journey to the Lord. But I think his question, that little boy's question, was a good one, and his response, to see if God is there. Look, friends, you and I, we don't have to wonder or be in the dark, is God here? God has given us his address. He has located himself for us that word that we hear from John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That same word is spoken and sung this morning as God gathers us together and gives us in neon lights the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here he is for you. When we gather together, we don't need to be in the dark and wondering, is God here? Yes, he is here for you. And not just in the warm fuzzies of your heart, okay? That homing instinct as you get closer and closer to this altar it ought to be going beep 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 beep, warmer 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 because here God has located himself for you at this altar in his body and blood in with and under the bread and wine Christ is present for you as the lamb of God so that as we come together and we receive those gifts upon our lips it goes into our hearts and gives us the only rest that we can know in this lifetime the rest of receiving the lamb of God our lord Jesus he is our heart's true home. And he gathers you home when you're here. But not only that. And here we have to to listen to Jesus' answer to the question, imagine that. Jesus responds to the disciples' question. They're probably scratching their head. They're a little bit shy and nervous. Rabbi, where are you staying? Maybe not expecting him really to answer. You know, you guys are strangers. My mom told me not to tell you that answer, right? But no, Jesus says this. Come and see. Come and see. Now, why is that significant? The Lord doesn't just give them an answer. Yeah, here it is. You can, you know, third house on the right, go down the road. He invites them into that relationship. And indeed, into that adventure. See, the Lord who is risen and ruling even now, locates himself for us here, so that going out of these walls, we might be able to recognize and respond to his activity out there the christ who reigns and rules over all things is alive and well in our world and he invites you and me into this adventure that we call discipleship living by faith to know him not only in these four walls to receive him here but then to go out of these walls into our day-to-day lives and to recognize his presence there and to follow him And you think, well, what do you you mean, pastor? Are you saying I need to become a missionary? I've got to go overseas? No, in the midst of your vocations, in your everyday life, there Christ is calling you, come and see as you're changing poopy diapers. Christ is calling you, come and see as you're dealing with that really difficult, stubborn co-worker. Jesus says, maybe I'm here for this one too. Christ is with you in the midst of those health difficulties and those things you're wondering, Lord, what are you up to here? He says, come and see. The invitation is to an adventure each and every day. Wherever we find ourselves, whatever your vocation or vocations may be, there Christ goes before you and his invitation is continually, come and see. The word stands for you and me today. And so come this table have your heart warmed by its true home in Christ and go out from this place let this word ring through your ears what are you seeking if you're seeking Jesus come and see amen may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus amen we stand to say.